Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Spiritual Sisters with Sass. This week, we are talking about Hard conversations, imaginary agreements. Look now, my computer's doing the thumbs up thing. Um, we're talking about imaginary agreements. We are going to briefly touch on attachment styles, and we're going to talk about what it's like to have um, written agreements in your relationships because the health of your relationships are directly related to your ability to have hard conversations. And so today I wanted to start the podcast because I am going to put Lynn on the spot immediately because with this hard conversation, which actually we've gotten so good at doing and is basically the whole purpose of this podcast is to have hard conversations, to show people the hard conversations that we're having and share those with them, hopefully to teach you something as well as allow you to take that with you in the future. Um, and to help us and you be better. That's what the purpose of this whole podcast is. So what I want to ask you today, we're going to dig in, I think, first into the imaginary agreements that we have with people. And what I mean by that and how I'm going to approach Lynn on this one is the imaginary agreements that you have made with the people who may potentially listen to our podcast. So let's talk about that, because for me, on probably almost every single episode of the podcast we've done so far, there's probably eight or nine, maybe more. Um, and by the way, I'm so grateful because every day that we do this podcast, I am excited. I'm excited to share it with people. I'm excited for the feedback that people give us. But one comment that you have made on almost every single podcast is <laughs> I'm concerned about the person I may be talking about listening. And you've never heard that come out of my mouth because I have no agreements with anyone in my head or otherwise that state that I won't state exactly what I think or feel. So let's talk about that, Lynn. Tell me what, what, 
what agreement is it that you have that doesn't even exist with other people that's imaginary that prevents you from wanting to share your truth? So uh, this is like an interesting way to put it because I feel a lot of judgment behind that in what Ooh. you're asking, right? Like you've already come up with a preconceived notion about the fact that the reason that um, I can't even remember what we were talking about last time, but it's like, it's consistently people that are listening and I don't want them to hear and then be offended and then cause more drama in my life. Okay. okay. Um, and there's no judgment. Whenever we talk, I hope you realize I'm coming from love, curiosity. And this was a way that I could get you to open up and be vulnerable. And one of the things I do notice that you do is turn it around back on me. Like you just did. <laughs> well, I'm a coach, dude. Because uh -huh. I, so, I have people this isn't do this. about me. I'm a coach as well. So let's not do this about me. This is about your imaginary agreements with the people that you're afraid to feel. It, I think it's, uh, in my opinion, that it's other people's opinions of you or that other people are going to feel you're judging them. So, well, yeah. So, a couple yeah. things come up immediately is like, I mean, I think I've shared quite quite consistently I'm a people pleaser like that well I want to shift that language too because whatever I say is true like up until more recently a big part of what I my personality is preventing drama and yep. what I've recognized not only in the podcast but also like in my life and the events that are taking place at the same time as our podcast is that the more that I try to prevent drama the more I actually create drama Okay. From trying to like, I mean, I, if we think, go back to my childhood, like I am the, like the savior, the mediator, right? The yeah. The, the, let's put everything back together. The fixer. Yeah. The yep. people pleaser. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The, what is it when you like the martyr? Right. Because yeah. I also have a really good like victim complex that can go along with the actions that I take. So I consistently show up in a way that I say is with integrity. And it's not, to be honest, when we look at it, um, to to save face, to have people like me, because my understanding is based on being raised in chaos and dysfunction that um, I, I, I want to just try to make it so that it isn't always chaos and dysfunction. They want to fix it yeah. and save it and make it better for people. And then I became a nurse and then I became a yoga teacher. So it, that has like consistently followed through too. And to be honest, it's fucking exhausting. Uh, me trying to control anything is part of the problem thinking I have any control so when it comes to anybody because it's not even just about like one person it's like yeah. whoever the podcast is bringing up I'm like uh but also they might hear this and I don't want I try to prevent hurt which is what I did with you if mom yeah. came at you I stepped in the way so that you wouldn't get hurt so I could protect you yep Yep. So when you say imaginary, I mean, the reality is everything is imaginary, right? That's one thing that Napoleon Hill says is that you have an imagination and it's working fucking well. The yep. problem is you're not aware of it. And so it's often focused on like, you're a piece of shit. I'll never do this. I can't do it. I'll never make it, blah, blah, blah. 
So the idea is to become aware of it and then to direct it clearly. Like I, I can do this. I am so happy and grateful now that I consistently and easily bring in a hundred thousand dollars monthly, you know, through yoga and coaching services. So the agreements are the same. We have agreements, period. There's never yeah. no agreements. It's just like, are you aware of the agreements that you have with the people? So for you and I, when we were younger, the agreement was, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. And, and then my even, agreement was, I'm going to hurt you so that you can hurt me so that you're not the only one being hurt. Right. So yeah. And those were our imaginary agreements. Those weren't agreements we had conversations about. Those weren't conscious agreements. They were unconscious, imaginary. I call them imaginary because they don't actually exist between us. They exist in my realm. So I have an imaginary agreement with you per se that because you got beat up, here's my agreement to you. But it doesn't mean that you're even participating in that agreement, which is what this whole podcast is about today. So, and the reason I brought it up, because I love that we can dig into this because there is a verbal agreement that you and I have had about digging into each other and being okay with digging into each other. I know you have asked me to ask for permission. So I probably should have done that at the beginning. But I did also, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, I did also want to kind of surprise you a little bit because I didn't want you to be prepared for it. I wanted us to be able to dig into this and get vulnerable because it is one of the things of the feedback that I've heard from people that, you know, like, wow, Mary, you get really, really vulnerable in there. But I feel like your sister turns around on you. And I was like, oh, oh, touche. And I'm open to being vulnerable. And I'm open to you asking me the questions. And I'm open to digging into myself. And so I wanted the, to people to see that in our conversations offline, you also do that. And I wanted to show people that you can do that on these podcasts. And I know that for me, that has been one of the things is when I want you to be like honest and really say how you feel, you'll always respond with, or not always, sorry, bad word. You'll often respond with, I fear this person might be listening, but it's not about that person anyways. The whole conversation is about your reaction to that person or your perspective of that person or whatever it is. So that's the purpose of this whole podcast, never mind today's podcast, is having those hard conversations, but also understanding we're not judging anyone except ourselves because anything that we say is a projection of ourselves onto others. So that's why I wanted to kind of dig into this. And I love that you immediately also went into this is the imaginary and what we're talking about in these agreements. So what we were asking you guys to do with this as well is where do you have these agreements in your life? And how are they affecting you? And a perfect example of those agreements is the agreement my sister made with my dad that he didn't even know was there for 40 some odd years. He didn't even know it was there. He said something. It's okay that you're a little bit overweight. And she said, okay, I'm agreeing to be fat for the rest of my life. No. So then she undid the agreement by having a conversation with him that he didn't even know was there. What other now, another thing that this comes down to is also our expectations. So having a conversation with a friend of mine the other night and he's like, you know, I'll put hours and hours into a person's vehicle and I'll do this for them and I'll build them a custom car and I'll do this. And is it really too much? And it was a joke, but it was also real. Is it really too much to ask that I come home and you clean my house in lingerie? And I said, have you ever actually spoken those words though? Because now you're upset that they didn't do it. And yet you never told them that that's actually what you wanted. So these conversations also are really uncomfortable conversations to have, which is how come this podcast is all rolling into one. So let's very briefly, I'm going to read to you guys the four different attachment styles 
because the attachment styles are going to be directly related to the conversations that you have. And then also I had had this really amazing conversation this week, which brought up this podcast about the steps to having these hard conversations. Actually, I had multiple conversations this week about these hard conversations. So the four attachment styles, the first one is anxious. And what anxious attachment style usually is, is a fear of abandonment. So they get really anxious when you disappear and they they need you and they want you. And so to, ear, to ease the fear of abandonment, people with an anxious attachment style strongly desire security, attention, care, and responsiveness. And those things will usually make them feel better. Avoidant is also known as dismissive. And I'm going to say that Lynn and I are probably, I know for sure I used to be this attachment style 100%. Um, and someone with an avoidant attachment style tends to believe that they don't have to be in a relationship to feel complete. They do not want to depend on anyone. They don't want others to depend on them. They don't want to seek support or approval because they don't need you anyways. And I got to say, hi, that was me. Strongly me. Um, another one is called disorganized. It's more of a fearful avoidant. And for People with a disorganized attachment style, the partner and the relationship themselves are open or are often the source of their desire and their fear. So on one hand, the fearful avoidant people want intimacy and closeness, but on the other hand, they have trouble experiencing it because if they have it, their fear of losing it is so strong. Then there's what I would say I am now. That being said, your patterns will hold strong. So now I would call myself a secure attachment style but then there's moments where I become avoidant. So the secure attachment style implies that a person is comfortable expressing emotions openly, I am. Therefore, adults with a secure attachment style can often depend on their partners and in turn, let their partners rely on them. So those four attachment styles are also going to affect how you communicate with other people. So Lynn, let's talk about the agreements and maybe you can give us a couple of agreements examples um, because I know that Glenn had got in her relationship with her fiance that she's with now. And there was a, literally a, we're going to sit down and write agreements for our relationship because she got to the place where she felt like she knew this is what I want. And this is what I don't want. So let's have a conversation about those things. And you agree to them, you write them down and you sign them. She then had inspired me so that I helped my best friend and her fiance write the agreements, sign the agreements, and to avoid fights, they don't even talk about it. They send a picture of the agreements and allow the other person to figure out what they're not doing in the agreements. And now there's not even an argument about it because now I realize what I'm doing and I can stop doing the thing. So Lynn, tell us about some of your agreements that you've made with your fiance and what those kind of look like. You don't have to go too, too deep, but if you're comfortable, you also can. We're open to that. Um, I love that. And I think like at the end also is a question of like, so how, how's that going is a really good question to look at. Yeah. So yeah, I've had, this is my second relationship with uh, a conscious agreements and I definitely would say it's learning, it's dynamic. We consistently go back to them um, and sometimes figure out like, oh, let's add to that. Um, and it takes two people. So I would not partner up with my current partner until we had a conversation. So um, we have six agreements. In my last relationship, I had nine. And it's not like keep not keeping with the agreements has consequences, but it also kind of does. I don't want to look at it like I'm in power. And if you don't do this thing, then we're done. Because that also doesn't help. 
Um, And it also, in my last relationship, supported me in recognizing this is complete. Like, I can't go any further. And one of the agreements that I have consistently, and then we define what that looks like, is honesty. So in my last relationship, it was that we are honest. We are honest in all ways. We say the things. Um, There's no, like, lying by omission, which, hi, I've been really good at (laughs) in the past. Um, like we defined it and, and the interesting part was this gave me the opportunity to learn about conscious communication and conscious relationship. And, um, and my partner fucking kept lying to me and lied. I mean, repeatedly now being an anxious attachment style in that relationship, I was, I was afraid of us not being together anymore. So I, I just, I didn't quite see how the relate the agreements weren't playing out and I did bring them up again and we did revisit them but the person kept fucking lying and so at some point I think on the the ninth and yes counting like the ninth big lie I remember sitting we were sitting in an Airbnb in a pool and I looked at him and I was like clearly this isn't gonna fucking work like we're done we're done and then I got really sick that night I think I had a gallbladder attack. I'm not sure. I was a little bit worried I should go to the hospital, but we're in Costa Rica and like, what am I going to do? And I got on the boat the next morning and I was like, why? And it came to me like, because why are you working so hard? It's to avoid what I need to do, which is to leave this person. So it's not that they're a way to like dump people. (laughs) No, it was a way to come back to be like, to yourself. Yes. 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 I said, honesty, I'm being honest. This person just keeps fucking lying. And what I saw was like, they were lying from their own, like self-esteem and their own like unworthiness, which is why I stayed through so many lies because I just couldn't. Yeah. I I was like gaslighting myself basically. It's like, yeah, they're, you were trying to protect them like you did me and anyone else. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the current relationships with my, or the current agreements with my partner, we started with, we agree to put ourselves first in our own healing, self-development, self-care and hobbies. We're independent and sovereign beings that are choosing to be in relationship with each other. That kind of hits because we've been arguing about something and I'm like, fuck, that's me trying to like take away some of his sovereignty, which is like. You know, sovereignty really is being like an independent being. If I just look up really quickly what sovereignty is as a definition, it says, well, supreme power or authority or the authority of a state to govern itself or a self-governing state, right? So we're each our individual people. There's no ownership, which is what I've been in previously is ownership relationship. So it says... We have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of each other. So the whole oxygen mask. And I would say the like, that is a really good first agreement. And it's, you know, if I look back on my last relationship, um, we didn't do that either. Neither of us did. And by me not speaking to him about it, I wasn't being honest. So I too was lying in the relationship. Just throwing that out there. It's not just like him. Number two is honesty always. So we communicate out of respect towards each other, our emotions, wants, and needs, and intention. 
And we have a little couple things because I think I've already shared, right? Like while the whole last session was about me being bisexual. And so what does that mean if I'm with one sex for the rest of my life? Like maybe I might want something else. And originally had told him I want to maybe like be in a polyamorous relationship. So uh, one of the agreements is that we're not, we're in a committed non-committed monogamous relationship. So then that means that like in honesty, if I start feeling like a wandering eye or I want to do something that we're going to have a conversation about it. And then it says both thumbs up or no. So we both have to agree if anything's going to change around that. Um, Number four is that we are respectful towards each other with the words that we speak. We are not um, mean to each other and the actions that we take. So no violence. And we consistently take each other into consideration. And I love that. And when you say no violence, that includes verbal. So we're not calling each other names. We're not saying mean things. We're trying to not say things we don't mean just because we're angry. Love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, number five is communication. So we communicate about pretty much all things, finances, feelings, emotions, relationship, sex, and we give space when requested. And then number six is finances. And what we decided was that we have our own finances and we share expenses Yet we consult on big purchases and we have each other's backs. And we both signed. um, And that's kind of where we went through. Now, there's been a couple other agreements that have come up. Um, He lives a different lifestyle than I do. Right. I'm I live a yogic lifestyle and he lives like more of a lifestyle that I used to live prior to, you know, moving to Costa Rica and and living this lifestyle. Um, So we've had some kind of run-ins around eating and some kind of run-ins around activity, which we've also made agreements about. Um, He's agreed to, you know, go out on run slash walks with me three times per week. Um, We're having a little bit of an argument around um, uh, behaviors that are associated with addiction. Um, And then the other thing was around food because I like yeah I had some stuff coming up and we've then made agreements about that like not going to eat shit all the time going to start to listen to the body so that we don't eat to overfull mm-hmm. um, and then the last one that we're really working through is um, is around like uh, around cannabis use and how like I think it's a no and he's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and I find it really interesting as well, because these agreements that you made with, with your partner, I almost said his name with your partner, um, actually made me make agreements with my son. And it was because you were here in September and my son and I had an argument and he was calling me crazy and a psychopath. And he was like, why don't you call auntie down, call auntie Lynn down. She'll tell you that you're being a psycho. And you came downstairs and said, actually, I disagree with you both. Keaton, oh, I said it son are you doing the thing that like the agreement that you made and he was like well no I guess not and she and then you said like okay well right there you're not which is why she's doing what she's doing referring to me um 
But then also, Meredith, are you actually doing what you agreed to do? And I was like, I guess we didn't really make agreements about how I would go about this. So then my son and I, I want to say we have eight agreements because he wanted to get ahead in life. And if he moves out, especially in the town that we live in, he's it's going to take him way longer to get ahead. So our agreement in one way is about him buying a house, whatever he comes up with, I'm going to match. If he moves out on his own, he's not going to get there. So he said, is it possible for me to stay doing what I'm doing? And he's not living in my home, but he is living in my yard. And I said, the only way that we can move forward with this is if we have written agreements. And so I wrote down agreements that I wanted from him. He now, just to put it, put it in perspective, he has severe ADD. He doesn't have ADHD. He has ADD. So he gets very distracted. For example, one of the agreements we have is if I ask you to do something, you have to do it within 48 hours, unless agreed to by both parties. That's the other piece in there. So I asked him to get my winter tires out of my shed. And after 24 hours, I just kind of shot a kind reminder. Hey, don't forget I asked to do my tires. Hey, so can we just agree that I'm going to do those on Saturday? And I was like, sure, fine. We're both having an agreement. It's going to be longer than the 48 hours. Then Saturday comes around. Suddenly he's overwhelmed with all of the things that he needs to do. And I'm like, just a reminder, you also need to do my tires. And he loses his mind. And I said, okay, hang on, stop yelling at me agreements. And he was like, fuck the agreements. And I was like, no, because the agreements say, if you say fuck the agreements, then you have 48 hours to move. And he was like, oh, and he was like, yeah, but I have all of these things I need to do. And I said, but all of those things are your responsibilities and things you said you would do. And this is one thing that I'm asking for you. And not just that I'm a small person. If I go try and get my winter tires out, I'm going to be dropping four large tires on myself. And that's not going to work. You know that there's a reason I asked you for this, but I'm so, and I was like agreements. Mom, I agreements. And he like threw his hands up. He turned around, he kept cooking. And then he turned around and he went, you're right. I'm sorry. Agreements. And I said, okay, we didn't even argue. You guys, I just kept saying agreements. I didn't want to keep arguing. I just said agreements. And then at one point, cause he got mad, I pulled them off the fridge. I turned around and I sat them in front of him and I said, agreements. I put them back on the fridge. He ended up he did need reminders, but because he said, yes, I will do this. And I have committed to doing it. It was like, four o'clock in the afternoon actually it was like one o'clock in the afternoon and then I was like hey tires like with that look of like hey question not attacking not being a dick like I'm actually asking because I know your ADD makes you forget things and procrastinate and he's like hey after I do this and I was like okay so he goes and does the thing and then he comes back in the house and I was like tires and he's like okay as soon as I'm done this thing and I was like okay because my whole deal was as long as it's done by tonight because tomorrow morning they need to be over so I can get them swapped and then he came back in the house and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna, and I was like, Caden, tires. And he's like, okay, can you just come hold the phone and I'll get the damn tires out? And I was like, I most certainly can. And we walked outside and we got the tires out. And then when he was done, he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm really glad we wrote those agreements. Cause I know that this would have turned into a really ugly fight and I would have been in the wrong. And then I would have had to come say, I'm sorry. So I'm glad we have the agreements, mom, and your tires are done. And he's like, it might take me a day or two to get the, the winters or the summers put away but I'm just putting that out there now. Can we agree? It may be more than 48 hours. And I was like, as long as they get put away, I don't care. You have until, and I gave him a date and he looked at me and said, okay. And they were actually done way faster than our even agreed to date. So you do also have to work with the person you're working with. He has ADD. He needs some help, but he also needs me to do it in a kind way. If I had gone at him and said, why haven't you done my tires? 
we would have had another argument. But instead, we had already talked about the agreements. And then mine was just a little gentle reminder. Hey, tires. Oh, yeah. Shit, mom, I got to do that. Tires. Oh, shit. Yeah, mom, I got to do that until it got done. So that is one of the things. And I find that you have to have significantly less hard conversations when you have those agreements in place. So I love the agreements thing. And I encourage all of you guys to review what you have for imaginary agreements and then make written agreements where you and your person or people, these imaginary agreements we have with our children, they don't even know that they're there, you guys. We are having these agreements with them and they don't know that what's expected of them. So to have a conversation with them about the agreements you or the expectations that you have for them will then become an agreement and once it's written down and they've signed it, you show them the page and you don't have to fight anymore. You don't have to fight. And for me, that has changed things. Now, steps to having a hard conversation. Um, I have a friend who I, we're going to bring her on the podcast at some point because she's amazing. Um, but she has done so much work on herself. She's one of those people. And I just, I we call each other to coach each other and to support each other through some shit. And Yesterday, she was telling me because she has manifested the love of her life. She has manifested the dream life in less than a year. Okay. This girl was like, I'm determined and I'm going to do these things. And then she did it. She is now married. She has bought her house. She has done all the things she said she would do. And it's been less than a year. So she said, though, she is in a very conscious relationship, which is another thing she manifested. And in that conscious relationship, they also have agreements. They're not written. And that was something we talked about yesterday. They're actually going to write theirs out now because it makes it easier than having to argue. Um, he's an amazing guy and he works on himself regularly. He goes to therapy. He does all the things. What her suggestions for this hard conversation was first and foremost, you need to sit with it. So if someone is doing something in the moment right now and it's bothering you, don't bring it up right now. Take a second and sit with it. Is this a reflection of your own shit? Is this you or is it really them? So if they really are taking actions that, you know, are triggering your trauma, for example, and your trauma is surfacing and you just can't seem to get past that and it puts you into trauma response, have that conversation with the person. Have Be prepared for this hard conversation and take the next few steps, but sit with it first. Is this important enough that it's going to matter in a month, a year, or five years? Because if it's not going to matter in a month or a year, don't have the conversation. You need to get over your own shit but sit with it first. Second, come to your person and say, I would like to have a hard conversation with you. Can we set a time to sit down and discuss this when we're both in a better place or that we're okay? When you sit down together in one of these situations where you're uncomfortable, but prepared to have a hard conversation, you're both calmer. So you're going to come from a different place. The next one is ask permission. So are you open to having a conversation about the way this makes me feel about an action that you're taking makes me feel or whatever it is, ask them permission. Cause otherwise it feels like an attack. Her next one, which I absolutely love is to set an intention of the conversation and the desired outcome. So when she says the whole reason I want to have this conversation with you is because I love you so much. And I want us to have conscious, clear communication and the most loving relationship ever and I don't know if I can do that if I don't have this conversation. So this conversation is about loving you, not criticizing you. I love that part. The next one is that if it gets heated in that moment of talking about the things, because it could be something that triggers them as well. If it gets heated in that moment, set a time to come back to the conversation. That can be 15 minutes. You go calm down. Let's come back to this in 15 minutes. 
Or it can be, you know what? I need to sit with what you just said. So give me 24 hours and we'll talk about this tomorrow after work. Something along those lines. Those were her major guidelines around the conversations that her and her spouse have, because typically when they're having these conversations, the conversations are very triggered for them both. So he's acting out of a triggered place and she's reacting out of a triggered place. And when we're in that triggered place, it's an ugly place to be. So I encourage you guys to do these things. I'm literally going to take all of these steps in all of my conversations moving forward. Um, Lynn, what about you? What are some things that, because I know you've had to have a lot of hard conversations with your, your partner in just in even that in let's talk about food. Let's talk about addiction. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. What else would you add to this that can help these people have hard and like really hard conversations about vulnerable and uncomfortable things? Cause that's what I feel like this is really all about. It's that we have to get vulnerable. And a lot of us are like, and I have heard this a lot from my addictions clients recently. All I want from my wife is vulnerability. I want us to share with each other. And I was like, can I ask a question? And he was like, yeah. I was like, how much vulnerability are you showing to her? And he was like, oh, well, I feel like, and I was like, here's what I've learned. When I expose my heart to you, people have a really hard time lashing out at my heart saying, this hurts me a lot. They don't often want to be mean to me because I said, this is hurting my heart. It's the opposite reaction. So for him, I said, you need to start by taking the step first. You lead by example. So show her your vulnerability so she can show you yours. So how do you have these hard conversations with your partner? Well, I, I appreciate this as like, I would add to, I mean, there's a couple things. I really love that list. Um, I would add to that, speak from a place of I always, because when we I say you, um, it's like not taking responsibility and then it's also pointing the finger. So that fits with, um, you know, sitting with it and all of that. What has happened for me out of conscious communication is that in order to keep conscious communication, it really does require both people. Yeah. And yeah. that's been very difficult because in this conscious community where people say that they are conscious, my experience is no, they're not. They're conscious about everything else, but when it comes to the actual taking personal responsibility, they don't. They're just blatant. Yeah. No, it's you. And it's like, what the fuck? But like you were just teaching about anyways. So yeah, it's really yeah. amazing how I witnessed that this is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Like it is a hard conversation because it's like all the things. So but now even I have to own my shit. And that's where I think the hardest part of it is, is when you look at yourself you have to look at your darkest side and then admit it's there. And most people don't want to. They just want to blame for why yeah. they're reacting a certain way as yes. opposed to taking responsibility for it. So what I've recognized in communicating consciously is that like it's really, really hard to keep my cool when the other person doesn't keep theirs. Yes. It's really, really hard to stay in integrity when the other person isn't doing what I want them to. <laughs> it's Agreed. like, here's the Agreed. list. Let me bring out the list. Like it says, don't speak from a place of you. It says, don't do this. It says, don't do that. You're doing all those things. There I am pointing. You're right doing there. all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I then lose my integrity 
because the other person doesn't have theirs and that's a complete lack of personal responsibility this is like learning i know that if i go to my partner and i bring anything up it's not going to go over well the initial response is so reactionary and you know though looking over all this time i know we haven't been together that long but we went so quick right like we moved in we're engaged like this is it we're partners like he's investing he just got me a new driveway like this is a big fucking deal it's not not like just kind of dating so it's straight up like if I look at the first few conversations that we had that were like life ending and I was in my shit and he was in his shit we're basically puking our trauma on each other like and then it's just point 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 to now I am realizing like, okay, still I, I get it. I, I would say I'm more conscious um, because I've been doing this for a really long time. And when I know that there's just going to be an, an, an initial defense and I've learned like how I speak to him really affects the way that he reacts too. So this last one, which also was like still conversation about breaking up. Can you take me to Hako and leave me there and all this shit? (laughs) I'm like, really? Like I will, but that will be a mistake. Honestly, because I'm part of the communication is being respectful and like a constant, like breaking up conversation. I'm just like, okay, we're going to break up. Like I'm not, I'm not playing those games. Well, and not just that, but that threat in any relationship really, really hurts. And then it takes us down a place like that's where we're in this disposable area. Yeah. Everybody thinks, everybody thinks that it's just so easy to find somebody better, but really love comes down to choosing that person over and over, even when they're being their ugliest. Right. And for him, I know he's trying to abandon me before I can abandon him. Like I get that. So that's his trauma response. So then, you know, we are coming to a place now where I can say, babe, right now you're in your trauma response. And so am I. So we can't really get anywhere. So can you take some breaths with me? And before when I'd be like, just just touch, touch me, he'd be like, I'm mad. How can we touch when I'm mad? And it's like very easily because the point isn't for us to fight. It's, it's for us to, to resolve. Yeah. It's so that we and don't fight about me, this thing next week and the week after. Like this is coming from a place of love so that we actually don't fight about the same things for the rest of our lives. Yes, And so that's like the big thing is like you just said, I say, sit with it, write down what it is that you want and what you're looking for in a relationship. And if you're not that person, shut the fuck up and do that first. Yes. Be the person that you want in a relationship first. You want someone telling you, I love you all the time. Tell your fucking partner. I love you all the time. You want someone like the other day I was coaching a client. She said, I just want him to love me the way I love him. And I'm like, that's interesting because five minutes ago, you told me that you're cold and hard because you're afraid you're going to get broken up with. And so you're holding back. And is he not being cold, hard and holding back right now? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, so you got exactly what you asked for. He is loving you the way you're loving him. And she was like, oh, You also said that to me about the change, seeing someone and wanting to change them. And that's also how I was loving myself as well. So that's another way that we reflect on ourselves is the way we're reflecting on someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I also read this really interesting um, thing that said that the way that you love someone isn't even about them. It's about yourself 
And then when they leave, they don't actually take anything with them. Mm-hmm. You're the one who loved that way. And you can go back and you can continue to love that way. You're just no longer loving someone else that way and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. That one hit me hard. Everything, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world and that's it. You know, I was listening mm-hmm. to the Grant Cardone 10 times yesterday, again, as I was walking and it's like, it, it's such a consistent piece. I was listening to Neville Goddard the day before, and it's just like, it, you don't have a problem with anybody. You have a problem with yourself. Yeah. And if you I had keep really... focusing on everybody else, the problem remains. It just is expressed in different forms. Now, stop it. Like, yes. this is it. I had a really beautiful experience with that because as much as I've heard it said so many times, and as much as I understand it, I had that last three weeks that were so rough. And it was so interesting to see because while my inner turmoil was happening, I got strep throat, then I got penicillin, and then I responded to the penicillin with this swollen face. Then I'm judging all these people based on their looks and not feeling good about it because it's online dating. And then I'm looking in the mirror and judging myself because Jesus Christ, am I ugly when I'm swollen like that? Like, I mean, I was literally like Hitch when he ate peanuts in the movie (laughs) because it was that awful. Like go Google that you guys, because the way he looked, that's what I looked like. And I then was judging myself. It was, you saw the picture. It was that bad, (laughs) but it was interesting because literally the outside of my life was reflecting the the turmoil I was feeling inside while processing the fact that I picked what we called douchebags while I was picking people that literally were loving me the way that I was loving them. And then I was like, I don't want to love myself like that. I don't want to only love myself when I look a certain way. I don't want to only love myself when I'm perfect and the person you want me to be. I want to love that I have a dark side. I want to love that I'm not perfect and that I have work to do. So it was really interesting though, because literally the outside was a perfect reflection of the inside in that moment. And I think as a mic drop, the first thing that you can do is start to look at the agreements you have with yourself. Because what I've recognized circling back to the very beginning of our conversation is that I am a punching bag. That's what I've agreed that I am. I'm a punching bag. I'm a doormat. And that's how people were treating me in the last little bit. I mean, I was not necessarily sharing on the podcast, but things were going on in the background. And what I recognized was like, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer in agreement with myself that I'm a punching bag. And what's happened in my head has been like, whoa, what the fuck, Colin? What was going on back there? Even just even a month ago, why were you being like that? Why would you let someone to talk to you? Like the change inside is incredible. Yes. I'm like, this is not okay. So and it was all spurred by first. And it's always spurred by these 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 interactions. So your interaction came in a different way. The one that initially came into me was my daughter. And then realizing that taking personal responsibility for that meant that I taught her how to treat me. I have taught everyone how to treat me by not setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and that you can set boundaries from a place of love. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be aggressive. It doesn't need to be mean. It just needs to be clear. Look, the way you're treating me does not work for me. You're more than welcome to continue doing it, but you're going to do it from somewhere that it doesn't affect me. So I'm no longer tolerating this type of behavior. That being said, it has improved a lot of my relationships, but other ones 
people are pissed that I no let you no longer let you walk on me. Also with that, I've had a few of those people come back and say, I just want to apologize for the way that I treated you. I wasn't even aware I was treating you that way. Mm -hmm. And that is because I allowed it to happen for so long. Mm -hmm. So this is such a cool thing because I didn't even know I had these agreements either. We made these agreements because our mother was abusive and we did what we needed to do to survive. And our those parents, our, our parents. parents, yes. And our agreement was that we were just going to take this abuse and survive. And as we grow, have gotten to this place and not just that, but the awareness that my inner child did keep me alive then, but the majority of the things that kept me alive then don't serve me now as an adult. They don't serve me in the life that I want to create for myself at all. And that's why these things surface. And then the outside becomes that nasty reflection where literally everything feels like it's falling apart, but it falls apart so that you can build it back together. And it's way more beautiful when you put it back together. I think that's a great place for us to stop this conversation. We'd yeah. love to hear your feedback. You guys comment below, tell us how you feel, tell us your thoughts on these things. And we'd love to hear about some of the agreements that you're now making with the people that you love. Yeah. Bye everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us. Two sisters who found their own unique paths. Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Nerdy Lockoff, and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. Stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences, and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always.